Good day, tea and listeners. It is appropriate today to once again discuss the issue of malicious prosecution, as we have noted in the last few months that there's been an escalation in this regard, the basis which remains questionable. Today I will be discussing a Supreme Court of Appeal case in the Minister of Safety and Security versus Lincoln. Hello Hector, always good to have you on Legal Ease. What was the background to the case you're discussing this week? The respondent, Mr. Lincoln, worked for the South African Police Service and held the rank as director, the ranking system at the time, and his position then being that of commander of the Presidential Investigative Task Unit, known as the PITU. Whilst deployed, allegations arose that he had committed several crimes, including fraud. An investigation was conducted, and the issue was whether the employees of the minister who had instigated the prosecution had reasonable and probable cause to do so. Can you take us through all the various court proceedings? The respondent, then the accused, in the initial case, was first charged in the Weinberg Regional Court on 47 criminal charges. He was convicted on 17 counts, which 15 charges related to fraud, and sentenced to nine years imprisonment. He appealed to the Western Cape Division of the High Court, and his conviction and sentence was set aside. That brought an end to the criminal case. After this, he instituted civil action against the Minister of Safety and Security in the High Court Cape Town for damages arising from the alleged malicious prosecution. He was unsuccessful and his civil claim was dismissed. He then appealed the High Court decision to the full court, which found in his favour. Subsequent, the Minister of Safety and Security appealed the full court ruling to the Supreme Court of Appeal, hence this case. Let's look at this from the start. What were the facts of the initial criminal case? One of the members of the PITU, Mr. Smith, met with two senior members of the SAPS, Senior Superintendent Brover and Superintendent Senecal. These two members were tasked to do an efficiency assessment on the unit, including the use of resources on behalf of the National Police Commissioner. Smith from the PITU had made contact with these two members and had reported numerous incriminating allegations to them, which occurred during his working relationship with Lincoln. Once the report was complete and forwarded to the then National Police Commissioner, it was suggested that the allegations raised be fully investigated by Director Knipe, who was a senior officer at the time. Knipe was duly appointed by the Commissioner to investigate the criminal allegations made. Rousseau was also appointed to assist with the investigation, as it was of a very sensitive nature and were to work under the supervision of Advocate Bower from the Attorney General's office. Smith made an affidavit about the allegations, but Knipe did not accept this at face value, as Smith had experienced a bad relationship with Lincoln and that he had departed from the PITU. This prompted Knipe to investigate the allegations made in depth, and as a result, some 200 witnesses were interviewed. Once the investigation was complete, the evidence was reviewed by advocates Bower, Nias, and Khan, the Attorney General. Some cases were declined to prosecute and some were continued with. The NDPP was satisfied with the investigation and the evidence in many cases 
and elected to prosecute, as there was a reasonable prospect of success. The respondent was thereafter requested to make several representations, but these were rejected by the prosecution. What were the criminal charges the respondent faced after the investigation? Count 1 to 10, fraud, alternatively theft from hiring motor vehicle at state expense. Count 11 to 32, fraud, alternatively theft arising from subsistence and travelling allowance while living in a safe house with his family. Count 33 to 34, fraud arising from the success of hiring of two safe houses not for the intended purpose. Count 35 to 37, fraud arising from claims submitted for payment of money to Miss Gillett, a registered source for services. Count 38, fraud arising from the submission of a claim for payment of money to an informer who did not exist. Count 39, fraud alternatively theft arising from a claim for the payment of S&T whilst in Angola. Count 40, theft arising from the removal of furniture from a safe house. Count 41, fraud arising from the expenditure of funds to fly Miss Alvira Williams from East London to Cape Town and hotel accommodation. Count 42 to 43, fraud and or obstructing or defeating the ends of justice arising from a claim submitted for money to be paid to an informer and facilitating unauthorized release from prison. What did the respondent allege in regard to the thrust of his case? Mr. Lincoln alleged that the core of the allegation was the conduct of Nipe and Rousseau that had acted with animus in Urandi without honest belief in his case. The minister's case was based on the fact that Knipe and Rousseau had produced false statements under duress to dishonestly implicate him. What was the response from the minister, the applicant, to the respondent's allegations and claims? The minister, in his plea, admitted that the SAPS members were involved in the investigation of cases against him, but denied the following that the persons referred to instigated the charges or that they wrongfully or maliciously set the law in motion, that they knowingly procured false statements from witnesses, that they acted without reasonable and probable cause, and that they had no honest belief of the truth of the charges. What did the minister wish to clarify before the trial? Before the trial, counsel for the minister requested further particulars from Mr Lincoln to indicate on what basis he believed charges were instigated against him and which of the statements procured were false as well as which statements were not given voluntary by the witnesses and under which circumstances this occurred. And what was Mr Lincoln's response to the request? The respondent said that Nipe and Rousseau procured false statements from Captain Thea van der Westhuizen, Smith, Palazzolo, Captain Ben, Gillett and Williams. It was alleged that the duress was created by Nipe and Rousseau who threatened the witnesses with prosecution should they have refused to cooperate. Lincoln further mentioned that Smith was placed under enormous pressure and intimidated by Nipe and Rousseau to frame Lincoln by forcing him to change his previous statement that he had made, Gillett the informer making various conflicting statements, Ben making nine inconsistent statements to the investigating officer and being a Section 204 witness threatened with prosecution if he did not change his statements and 
van der Westeisen, who had made various matters clear to Knipe and Rousseau. Over the course of eight meetings, Knipe placed enormous pressure on Palazzolo to deny that he was ever reimbursed by Lincoln for the trip to Angola. But notwithstanding such pressure, he deposed an affidavit confirming that Lincoln had offered to reimburse him. Williams confirmed that she had been threatened and intimidated by Rousseau and that she had made two written statements to Rousseau. What was the cause of action relied upon in the civil action? The cause of action relied upon was the actual inuratum. In order to succeed in the claim for malicious prosecution, the plaintiff must establish that the defendant set the law in motion, acted without reason and probable cause, acted with malice, and that the prosecution of the criminal case had failed. Lincoln bore the onus to prove this. The full court's finding of malice is doubtful, as it appears that the court conflated and confused the requirement for animus inurandi with motive. The court, however, accepted that animus inurandi had been established. What were the reasons given by the Supreme Court of Appeal? The respondent had failed to adduce evidence, in particular the witness statements of Van der Westeisen, Ben and Gillett, or an affidavit by Palazzolo, which he alleges to have been false or produced under duress. He had also failed to identify any aspects of the statements made by these witnesses which falsely implicated him. What was the additional reason for the court's decision? The respondent accordingly failed to establish the alleged conduct attributed to Knipe and Rousseau in his pleadings. It follows that he did not establish that they had willfully placed false evidence before the Attorney General or that they had no honest belief in the credibility of the statements presented. They left the decision to prosecute or not to prosecute to the Attorney General. On these additional grounds, the Minister could not have been held liable. Hector, in summary, what was the order of the court? The appeal succeeds with costs, including the cost of two counsel, this meaning the applicant's case is heard and agreed with. The order of the full court is set aside and replaced with the following. The appeal is dismissed with costs, including cost of two counsel, meaning the appeal previously to the full court is rejected. Until next time, listeners, keep well and have a good day.